Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Freedomology, the podcast. My name is Julie Christensen, also known as the Anger Lady, and I am your host. And I'm happy to be with Carrie Ramsey today. Carrie is the host of the Power Your Platform podcast, a top 10 marketing podcast in Canada. She is also a story coach for women looking to build bold story brands and an enthusiastic champion of female speakers, leaders, and entrepreneurs. Through her full-time work with Queen's University, Carrie serves hundreds of women entrepreneurs in her role as project manager of the Women's Entrepreneurship Strategy for the Greater Kingston Region. For Carrie, freedom means having the peace of mind to move through life, knowing there is no obstacle that can stop us from achieving what we were born to achieve. I am so pleased to have Carrie with us today. Carrie and I are lifelong friends. We have known each other from, I guess, from our childhood. I guess I was, I'm a few years older. I used to babysit Carrie every once in a while. And then as, as I got married and had a kid, Carrie became my babysitter. <laughs> and so we have sort of stood on the sidelines watching each other's lives unfold. And uh, I am just really pleased and proud of everything that Carrie has accomplished in her life. Her bio is very short, y'all but her accomplishments are not. The list of her accomplishments is quite long and quite impressive. Very impressive list of accomplishments. That's the best word that can come to mind on short notice. Uh, But Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be on your podcast and I love what you've been doing as well. Such an inspiration. I followed it all along. So thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So tell me a little bit, I mean, this whole idea of the power of story, I think this is a theme that has run, you know, in everything that you've done over your lifetime. Uh, So tell us a little bit, tell the audience a little bit about why the power of story is so important to you. And what was it that sort of engaged you with the art of storytelling right from the early days? Well, I don't even think I understood why stories were so powerful when I just started out as a kid, you know, clipping out pictures of a magazine, pasting them on just, you know, white paper and writing a little story beneath it. That was just something I love to do was to create stories, tell stories. I'm an introvert. So as an introvert, we tend to, you know, come up with a lot of ideas and stories in our head and For me, I just was always looking for a creative outlet. So that led to so many different projects in my life. From an early age, I was writing articles. I had a a column in the Ottawa Citizen, which was our local newspaper. And eventually I, I did go to university and study journalism. So that's my master's background. And while I was in university, I took a children's literature course and I ended up having three books published through that contact that I made through that children's literature professor. So the writing, I guess, projects have really been very diverse from that first, you know, magazine cutout book to actual novels and articles. And then as I continued throughout my career, I was shocked to find that people would actually pay me to tell the stories of their brands and their organizations. So I am from Ottawa originally, so I started out with the RCMP. I also was a director of communications for a hospital, then moved into actually teaching marketing and public relations for 15 years, actually, at the college level. 
And now I'm at Queens University telling the stories of women entrepreneurs. So that has definitely been a through line throughout my entire life. And one that has come naturally to me. And I'm so happy when I'm doing it. That's honestly, I feel so blessed to have discovered at an early age what lights me up. And then just sort of to circle back to your point about the power of stories, what I now realize is that stories connect us to each other. They are the bridges between ourselves and, you know, sometimes complete strangers. When we start to tell our story, other people put their hand up and say, oh yeah, me too. And suddenly we have all these points of intersection and it all starts with a story. Mm, so, so true. Yeah, I think about the the way it is that, you know, you can be in a completely strange place and know no one and, you know, make eye contact with someone in the bathroom or, you know, at the restaurant or on the bus or wherever. And then suddenly, as you start sharing your stories, you have this immediate connection. And that is so cool. So how did you realize, and I know you've mentioned that a little bit, that people were starting to pay you for, for sharing their stories. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I did that for a while too. When I, when I left working as a career counselor, I took a job for a local business to business newspaper. And I, it was the same for me. I was paid to go out and collect people's stories and tell them in a way that was compelling, but it didn't light me up the way it does for you. You know, it was, it was work. I was getting paid by the people. And it was interesting and I was meeting lots of neat people, but it didn't occur to me that that was something that I could create a career out of. So what was the thing that was really that distinguishing factor for you? I think curiosity is just one of my natural characteristics. I'm very curious about other people's stories, about what got them to where they are, what are their shortcuts that they've taken. And so initially, I really just learned all of that even for myself. In fact, one of when I first started uh, really getting into serving women entrepreneurs was when I started a radio show called Hello Boss Girl. And the intention of it was that I'm a serial entrepreneur as well. I've always had businesses and side hustles. And so I said, you know, I, I'd love to talk to more women about how they have done it, how they've been successful. And so almost selfishly at first, it was like, I'm really just curious as to how they did it. And as of course I shared, or as I interviewed them for the radio show, that network grew into what then became quite a large, you know, brand with thousands of women, you know, tuning in and paying attention to the stories that we also shared on the social media channels. And I realized, oh, this isn't just interesting to me. This is interesting to other people. And so again, I realized there was a power there in someone's story affecting others. And the fact that someone maybe took 10 years to figure out their lesson. Oh, wow. That's going to save me 10 years now. And I can actually take a shortcut. And, you know, the one thing about women and women entrepreneurs, I guess, in general, as I found them to be so generous with their findings and their experiences, especially those who are sort of, you know, collaboration minded and community focused. So mm -hmm. initially it was that curiosity. I'm pretty sure that was the spark that lit that flame and, and really led me down this path. Right. And so how do you find it now, you know, when you're coaching, because I know you're a story coach and you're working with women in smaller groups, 
what is the thing that je ne sais quoi, <laughs> you know, that that intangible thing that creates that compounding effect of the power of story when you're working in small groups? Well, I think it's, first of all, the realization that we all have struggled, right? No one has the quote unquote perfect story. We have all had dips and dives along the way. And in fact, when we're talking in a group coaching session or one-on-one, we realize that the struggle is the superpower. The struggle has led us to create solutions or to seek them out or to find and tweak the best course of action for ourselves. And once we find that solution to our struggle, I think the aha moment for many of my clients is realizing, oh, wait a minute, I'm not alone in this struggle and someone else could actually benefit from this. So, I mean, the je ne sais quoi that you say is, I think, actually something we all have in common, which is struggle. (laughs) And we try to sweep it under the rug and ignore it and pretend that, oh, no, everything's fine. When in fact, that vulnerability and that part of ourselves is our superpower. Our story is our superpower. And at the heart of it is our struggle for sure. Mm, So interesting. Yeah. Just before Christmas, a few of the ladies that are part of the group that I belong to called Grow Your Biz. I'm just going to do a little shout out for Grow Your Biz on the podcast. Ladies, if you are in business and you want to up-level things, you've got to check out Grow Your Biz. It's an international organization that brings together small groups called business boards. It's like having your own board of directors for your business. And so we have a really tight group here in Niagara. I've been a part of this group for about three years. And we got together just before Christmas to hang out. We probably saw the next lockdown coming. We were like, let's just hang out together for a little bit. And we got to talking and we were just, you know, talking about whatever. And the conversation turned to, you know, our younger days, our early days when we were having kids and what that was like. And every single woman in the room had a story to tell, you know, either being a single parent, uh, starting out as a single parent or starting out as a married couple and then losing a spouse because the spouse wanted to be a husband, but not a father, (laughs) you know, like just all of these, these different stories. And in every case, the commonality was the struggle, like you say. But the other thing that we, that we concluded in that conversation was that women are just like super powerful. (laughs) You know, like when, when you think of, okay, so you're having your kids young, you're, you're struggling for money. You're finding a way to hustle and make ends meet and to feed your child and manage your household and take care of a budget. And you know, balance books and keep the family moving and to do your day job. And it is actually amazing how much women can do when they put their minds to it. And that's not, that's not in any way detracting from, from the capabilities that men have, right? So this isn't one of those feminist uh, manifestos that say that women, you know, women should rule the world and men have no purpose. It's just, I think it's worth honoring that and acknowledging that, that women, we bring so much to the table because we have borne the weight of a lot of those different aspects of life that men don't worry about because they're busy doing that one thing. Mm, it's not the truth. Right? Yeah. <laughs> While they're doing that one thing, doing the job, you know, CEOing, doing whatever it is, 
we're out here, you know, planning meals and buying groceries and raising kids and doing doctor's appointments and taking care of our own health and doing our side hustle and doing our main job and all of those different things. So it's not really a surprise that women can be incredibly successful in business. But I do think it is something that we take for granted and we don't give ourselves enough credit for. Absolutely. And so interesting because I think one of the upsides, if we were to sort of find some silver linings there is as you were talking about all these different assets, assets and facets of our lives, in every single one of them, we're intersecting with people, right? And we're, we're building relationships over here with the school. We're building relationships here on the job or with, you know, our local community. And so women, again, are very great, good at relationship building. And that in turn gives us this whole other sets of skills that when it comes to building a business in particular, if we kind of focus in on that group and audience, wow. I mean, talk about some superpowers when it comes to understanding clients and listening and knowing where to find people and connecting, you know, in terms of our, our really multifaceted network. Mm -hmm. That is, I think, one of the upsides that sometimes you don't even realize that that is a transferable that skill that came out of those. So true. So true. And just to, to add on to that, just thinking of things like negotiating, right? We, we negotiate with our kids all, <laughs> all day long. You know, even if it's just the, can I have a cookie? 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 You know, <laughs> please, can I have a cookie? No, you know, like the no. back and forth and negotiating with your kids to get them to put their pajamas on or to brush their teeth or, or to, you know, do their homework and, and negotiating with vendors when we're trying to get supplies into our home or setting up renovations or whatever the thing might be. Doing fundraisers for the school. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Understanding that you can take all of those skills that you have and transfer them into your business. It's not something that we really think about again, because all of those skills are downplayed, right? They're, right. they're just taken for granted. That's just, you know, you're just doing mom stuff. Whereas, well, wait a second, you know, mom, moms, if you think about the value of a stay-at-home mom, what, what do they say that is about $250,000 a year in salary? Right. Yeah, if we did a good inventory. And, and thankfully, you know, some, some education and experts are starting to do that as well. Sort of looking at that, as you just mentioned, putting a price tag on, you know, the value of a mom in the home. But honestly, you know, just if we personally were to take inventory of quote unquote, the lost years when perhaps we weren't in the workforce because so many of us took off a year or a couple years yep. and, and continue, of course, to do the multiple jobs. So yeah, and that's all interwoven into our story as, as women and no matter what role, if we, even if we don't have kids or for those who are listening who might not be married, just there's so many facets of our lives that we need to take a good look and evaluate. And sometimes it's hard to do it ourselves. That's why it's great to have a sounding board whether that's a coach or a great friend or someone in your network who can really help you to evaluate what are some of those skills in your inventory? Mm -hmm. And then how can you turn that into story gold, right? How can you mine all of that to find the message that you have to share with the world? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so when you think about the journey that you've taken, just, you know, from, from RCMP, uh, through to working for, you know, national magazines and then into academia. Um, can you identify any high points 
actually, let's go back. Let's let's identify the low points first, because those low points sometimes give us more leverage than the high points do. Can you identify, can you point to any low points that caused you to step back and take stock and say, wait a minute, this isn't the direction that I want to go in? Yes, absolutely. Actually, I think it's easier to think of those low points and remember them. They pop right into your brain immediately because they are so memorable. Uh And um, so when I left Ottawa, actually, the reason I left was to take uh, editorship at a national magazine. And so that was my dream job. And I was still young. I couldn't have been more than 25 or 26. And so this was the pay was great. Uh, this was what I wanted to do. I loved the magazine. I had been a reader and I'm in fact a writer for the magazine for years. And then the publisher reached out to me and said, hey, Carrie, this editor spot just came available. Would you be interested? So I was like, oh my goodness, everything was lining up. So we left Ottawa and it turned out to be the worst three months of my life. That's how long I lasted. And it was not because I couldn't do the job or I didn't like my coworkers. It was this really weird power dynamic that the publisher had that suddenly, as soon as I arrived, it was like, oh, I couldn't believe how this person treated all the staff and, and me as well. I just, it was a miserable existence and I couldn't have foreseen that that was the culture. So I stuck it out because I mean, here we had left, we had sold our house in Ottawa, my husband, I was married, of course, and he had left his job. And here we are after three months. And I'm saying, this is changing who I am. This is not who I am, you know, and it was so weird in that office where people would be like quiet as mice and just very timid and almost like, well, they had been verbally abused for years. And I realized that that was not for me. I could not exist in that. I could not flourish. I could not grow. And I was not going to move through my days being afraid. And so I realized that that was a culture of fear. So after that, I looked for the cultures very closely that I wanted to be a part of. And thankfully, after that, that was the only situation I ever got into where I hadn't perhaps thoroughly vetted what that culture was. And now that I have my own business and that I have my own clients, I also, I think, value more than ever what the culture is that I am developing as a leader, because the publisher I mentioned was a woman and all of the staff were women. And this was just a really not a great example of leadership in my life. So thankfully, I have been surrounded by many other wonderful women leaders. So this now, I think, comes to play when I'm developing my own business and saying, okay, well, how, how do I want my clients to be treated and how, you know, what is, what is it that I want people to think of when they think of my brand? And so, yeah, that, that certainly was a low moment for me, but one, I think that ultimately was definitely something I had to go through to become the leader I am today. Right. Awesome. Terrific story. And, you know, I love the fact that this is one of the things I've always loved about you, Carrie, is that you're, you are very decisive. (laughs) You come off as very decisive. You might think you're not, but I'm just going to say, you know, like I remember when you took that job at that national magazine and how excited you were, how excited we were for you. And I remember you sharing that, that like, I, I can't stay here. Like, this is just not the place for me. And I, I think of myself And I think of other people who found themselves in toxic workplaces and stuck it out for a number of reasons. You know, maybe I can change the culture from within. And, you know, like we we have all of these ideas about how we can make an impact. 
in the in the places where we are. And I have this personal philosophy that no matter where I am, in every interaction and in every time I come into contact with other people, I want to leave them better than they were when I found them. And I carried that mindset into my work. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to change the systems. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to make it more efficient. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do good work for my clients. And and staying in a position that I knew from the outset was bad, but kind of getting sucked in anyways, you know, whether it's for the paycheck or the benefits or the security or whatever it is. I love the fact that you identified what was wrong in the culture where you were and just said, yeah, this isn't for me. And well, you were brave enough to walk see it gonna, I knew it wasn't going to change, right? Because the issue was the person in charge. And right. yeah, I, 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 at the time, I certainly wish I could have stuck it out because I literally went from a really great salary to minimum wage overnight. And I found a job teaching seniors to use the internet. You know, that's, that was because I was like, well, I have to make money somewhere. And I had to really humble myself. And that was okay. There's nothing wrong with teaching seniors the internet was important back then. (laughs) You know, now the seniors, they know a lot now, but uh, yeah, that was, it was, it was a rebuilding of, of, okay, what, what do I want? What do I need? So that actually led me into a year of working for myself which I did. And as a writer, I freelanced for magazines all across North America. And, and then that, that led into my next position actually. So, you know, hindsight. And um, I I think sometimes, you know, we don't know the end from the beginning. We just have to trust and take one step at a time. But also I think really, like you said, value, value that part of ourselves that is otherwise going to be crushed, you know, whether it's our creativity or our spirit, and not let that be crushed. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I can do any job if my spirit is flourishing. That's how I feel mm-hmm. about it. And it doesn't really matter, you know, what the pay is, as long as I'm feeling loved and appreciated. And I think that's just the bottom line. Right. Yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit, just sort of in, in broad brushstrokes for any woman who might be listening? In fact, any individual, it doesn't, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about women in business, but this, you know, this can apply to anyone. Just talking about the importance of being true to yourself Mm. and your purpose. Like I I, I talk a lot about purpose in this podcast and just in, you know, in my daily life with my clients and whatnot, because I think it's so important to understand that your purpose is not the thing that you're doing. Right. Right. You fulfill your purpose through the things that you're doing. Yeah. And so if, if the environment in which you are doing the thing isn't a good fit, you can go and fulfill your purpose elsewhere. So I wonder if you could just speak to that for mm-hmm. a moment and just share some wisdom with people about, you know, the importance of being true to yourself and your purpose, as opposed to getting stuck in a job just because you need the money kind of deal. Sure. Well, and I think it, if we were to bring it around to storytelling again, we're all writing a story, right? And so we go through different chapters of our story, whether that's relationships or jobs. And I have never been really one to want to hand anyone else the pen to my story, right? Unless it's God, there is no one who has the right to step in and write my story. And so I feel that, you know, I don't know what the word would be, but I really want to own my story and to the degree possible, make sure that it's heading in a direction that is, like you say, fulfilling the purpose that I feel called for, which which for me is empowering women and making sure that they feel valued 
and recognize the value of their own story and the power in sharing it. So if, you know, I think it's to do with mindfulness as well. So every day when I go through my day, I'm like, okay, so is this on track or am I writing the right story or somehow have I let somebody else take over? And I have, there have been instances where I was more at the mercy of someone else writing my story, which way I was going to go. And I had to wrestle back that pen and say, no, I, I'm, I'm the author, you know, you know, co-author with God of my own story. And I mm-hmm. really feel that that is important that I not give that power away. So when you think about it, that's, it's really at the heart of my person purpose, which is empowerment and helping women realize they do have the power to say, this is enough. No, thank you. <laughs> In so many different ways and aspects of our lives. And not to let life happen to us, you know, and I think that even in the midst of crises like we're in right now with the globe, that, you know, we still have a certain amount of a measure of power in terms of how we act throughout it and how we what we build, what we give up, what we Mm -hmm. cut out, who, who we cut out. You know, I think all of these things are important. So I think mindfulness is a big part of it. And like I say, making sure that we recognize that we've only got one story to write. What do we want it to say at the end when we look back and how much of it are we willing to give up to someone else to write, you know? And like I say, I think that empowerment, that self-empowerment is sort of at the heart of of that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I I tell my clients a lot, you know, particularly the clients that are are struggling with career options and, and where they want to fulfill their purpose is that instead of looking at a job as a job and self-employment as self-employment to look at it through this lens of you are the CEO of your own career. So no matter what, right? Like if, if your purpose, you know, my, my purpose as I identify it is to shine a light into dark places and to help people to create radical, positive, lasting change. That's my purpose. I can do that as an employment counselor. I can also do that as an author. I can do that as a podcaster. I can do that as an anchor resolution specialist. I can do that as a therapist. But if someone comes along and says, hey, I'd like you to run a silent auction for me so I can look good to my community. (laughs) That's a no, right? That's a a hard pass because that doesn't doesn't fulfill my purpose at all. But if you don't know your purpose, that's where a lot of people say yes to a lot of things. Yes. And so that and and purpose is also very important and is at the heart of my business as well. In fact, I have what's called the story path, which is purpose, action, traction and habit. And it starts with purpose. That's where it starts. You Mm -hmm. can't take action or the right action until you know what your purpose is and you've identified it. And there's a book, actually, because I know you're a reader, too, but there's a a book that I read that kind of really sparked this idea for me. It was called The Three Word Rebellion by Dr. Michelle Mazier. And it's a very simple book to read. And but there was exercises in it. And it really helped you get to your rebel cry. Right. What makes you angry about the world? What makes you sad about what do you want to change? Right. And when we start to recognize what we will not tolerate anymore in the world, that helps birth our purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we know why we're here and what we're setting out to do, it's not too hard to turn down those distractions and to keep focus because we, you're right, we evaluate as we go. Nope, that does not fit my purpose. 
But I know so many women who are struggling with that part. So that's partly what I do as a coach as well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's very rewarding work. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I encourage my clients to do, uh, I had a client this week who was saying, you know, I keep getting these job offers for all these things. And I said, okay, so let's just go through each job offer and tell me when you think about that job offer, what do you feel inside? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel sick? Do you feel a knot in your stomach? Do you feel tightness in your chest? What does your body tell you without even saying a word? Like, just tell me what's going on in here. And, and she went through and we went through all the things and I said, okay, so now think about yourself as a self-employed woman doing the things you're really passionate about and doing them with excellence. What does that feel like? And she lit right up and I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> my, my job is done. Yeah, <laughs> so like you already know it's the fear, right? I think it's yes. the fear that says, what if I fail? What if I don't make enough money? What if Nobody wants to buy what I have to offer. What if people make fun of me? What if people unsubscribe from my newsletter, right? Like there's all of these what ifs. Yeah. And that fear is such a huge barrier to overcome. So can you speak to us a little bit about that? What, what are your thoughts on fear and the way that it can interfere with the execution of our story? Well, fear is the only thing that's holding us back. I mean, we have we live in an age right now where there have never been so many tools for us to do our whatever we feel called to do, we can do it. We could start a business right now in the next 30 minutes, you know, and most of the tools are free that we can get started. So the tools, the strategies, the tactics, you know, that's not why people stop uh, or, you know, what stops people from getting started. It is definitely the fear. And I, among women, the clients that I work with, number one is the fear of rejection, which I think is just, or the fear of failure, which is really the same thing. And so, I mean, that is, yeah, that's it. That's, that's the, the enemy inside our mind. And when other people look at us, they, they think what's, what's stopping her, what's holding her back. And so mindset, you know, that mindset coaching part of, you know, what we do is so important and it is probably 75% of what I teach and work with my clients, because if you can get past the fear, the rest falls into place. So absolutely. And as you were listing all of these different things, you know, what if nobody signs up for my newsletter? What if, you know, all these things. And I just flip it like, what if they do sign up for your newsletter? What if you do have a lot of sales? What if you do have success? You know, but, you know, it's just not as easy a path to naturally go down in our minds. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's really important we have people in our network, whether it's a coach or a friend, a family member who is playing the other side of that to say, oh, no, no, no. You know, you've got you've got this purpose. And in fact, Julie, I think it's the purpose in nearly all the cases of my clients. If they have a purpose, the purpose is bigger than their fear, right? The purpose becomes bigger than their fear. And so we talk about urgency and we say, you know what? Someone is waiting for that solution right now. So you're telling me that because you're afraid that person or all of those people do not get to access the solution. Because guess what? You're probably the only one who has access to that audience or that they would listen to. Are you telling me that fear is going to, you know, rob all of those people from their answer, their solution? And so for women, at least, I find when we put it in that context, that purpose can trump your fear every time if you have the right purpose right. Um, and it will push you through the hard days. 
You know, I think that that's, I think that's the solution to the fear question, but there's no Mm -hmm. doubt about it that we all wrestle with it every single day. Absolutely. It's so important to think about not only what's the worst that could happen, but also what's the best that could happen. My, one of my business advisors gave me a great piece of advice and I love it. And he said, look, if you want to do something, if you want to invest in property, you want to invest in real estate, whatever, anything that you want to invest in, what you need to do is you need to look at all the things that could go wrong. Look at all the things that could go wrong and then find a solution for every single thing. Don't just go in and go, oh, this is going to, you know, it's, it's going to be all a happy family and we're going to make lots of money. And No, you need to be aware of the pitfalls, but you don't look at the pitfalls for the purpose of saying, this is why I shouldn't do it. Right. And that was a real mindset shift for me. Yeah. Because all in the past, people would say, well, there's this problem and this problem and this problem. And it'd be like, okay, well, then I shouldn't do it. But he was saying, no, 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 go ahead and look at all the reasons why you shouldn't do it and then overcome them the same way that if you were making sales, every time your prospect comes up with an objection, you need to have something to overcome that objection, right? It's the same thing with doing stuff for yourself. When you see objections coming forward, it's like, okay, well, is this something that I can overcome? If so, then let's move forward. If it's something I don't have the resources or the support or the finances to overcome, then maybe I should look for another opportunity, but it doesn't mean that I should just quit. Right. Right. So it's Absolutely. it's that resiliency factor that we need to bring into, into mm. the way that we do business. And that um, problem solving skill set. I mean, any business today, I mean, whether you are the smallest business in your community or the largest brand on your block, every business has problems. And the ones that succeed are the ones that just move from problem to problem, solution to solution. Because, you know, some of the solutions haven't been thought of yet, but many of them have, right? There are a lot of best practices out there, which again, brings it back to this idea of networks and speaking to your, whether it's um, your advisory board, whether it is, you know, a group of, you know, women who might be in your circle, they're also business owners. We can't be isolated. That is really the most dangerous scenario when we live inside our brains and tell no one, even like some people won't even speak up their idea, right? Because that is how afraid of it that they are. And so, you know, for me, it's very rewarding when someone reaches out to me on social media and says, Carrie, I've had this idea for 10 years, but I just listened to your podcast on how to get started before you're ready. And I I have to do this, right? It's, Mm -hmm. It's just take the next small step, tell someone the idea, find a support network and little by little move forward. You don't have to do a huge leap in a day or take a big risk, financial or otherwise, in a day. It's one problem at a time, one step at a time. But sometimes we blow these things. Well, not sometimes, usually we blow these things into such a massive issue that never happens. We just need other people in our lives to bring us back down. And yeah, like I say, not operate in isolation or solitude. So let's talk about that very briefly. How do you find your tribe? Because, you know, it's easy to say you need people to support you and you, and you need to be able to share your idea with someone, but you can't tell everyone because there are people, let's just be real for a side, <laughs> not that we're not being real, but, you know, let's just be real about this. There are some people, and sometimes it's the people that are closest to you, that when you share your dream with them, they tell you, oh, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. So how how do you find your tribe? Where do you what are some of the things that people can do to suss out 
those champions for their cause and the people mm. who will really get behind them and, and give them that support so that they can move forward with their dreams. Yeah, so I, I'd say a couple of things. One is to find a mentor who is ahead of you, like, you know, quite a bit ahead of you, because don't ever suggest your idea or share your idea with someone who's hasn't done any ideas building of their own or take in any risks or moves. I mean, they're not going to encourage you because it just makes them feel and look bad. They're like, oh, I have an idea too, but I've never moved on it. I mean, that is not the right person to share your idea with. You want to look for a mentor who's several steps ahead who can say, oh yeah, I was where you were. Oh yeah, I got through that. Don't worry, you'll, you'll get through that, right? So someone who's you know, significantly ahead. The other thing I would say in terms of finding your tribe is that if you have not naturally found it by now, you might be the one who should start that tribe. You might be the one who says, this is missing. Where are all, and in fact, that's what happened with me with the network that was, I built in my own community that I did not know that there was, there were other groups of women entrepreneurs and there weren't really along the lines of what I was looking for, but I was a business owner. I had a bricks and mortar business at the time. I felt very isolated and alone coming up with all these ideas, having to market no collaborative opportunities. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if there was a network where we supported each other and instead of competing, we collaborated and we shared resources. What would that look like? So, you know, then I realized I could start that like in a small way. I started it with the radio show, just the conversations. And you would not believe how quickly, in fact, it was less than two months. We were holding our first event. It was a sold out event at a local cafe. We actually had a business book club because I love books. I'm like, well, if nobody comes, I'm just going to sit there with my book and read, you know, so, but they did come, they packed it out. And for two years after that, we had major events with like a hundred people at the, at the last one before COVID uh, shut that down. But you know, that continues online. So those two, those would be my two recommendations, which is find a mentor who is several steps ahead of you. If you can't find a mentor, you could ask around or you could go on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has some really great resources for helping you find mentors. And the second is if you can't find a network in your area or not one that is specialized in a, such a way as is really helpful to you, create it. Go ahead. That's maybe what the next step is in your path. Awesome. I love it. We could go on and on, but I'm, I'm conscious of the time. I'm sitting here and I'm watching the clock. I'm like, no, we're running out of time. So much to say. I know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to have you come back again, Carrie, because there's so much more that we can talk about, you know, just the value of, of sisterhood and the importance of when women holding each other up and yeah, it, this has been a terrific conversation. Thank you so much. You are so wise and you've shared so many great insights. Don't give me that face. <laughs> I know this is only going to be audio, <laughs> but I see that face. <laughs> You are, you have, you, you are a font of wisdom and I am just so thrilled that you were able to share all these insights with us today. I love the takeaways that we've had in terms of, you know, how we can, how we can start. I love that start before you're ready and just, you know, going out there and unpacking the story that is your life. You know, I, I often refer to our life story as a tapestry. 
Mm-hmm. And every incident, everything that happens, every person that comes into our life, every job we take, every relationship we have becomes a thread that weaves together to form the tapestry of our of our life. And uh, being able to take a step back from that and to look at that and to say, this is my story and this is how I'm going to tell it. This is how I'm going to present myself to the world to have that skill. And the ability to do that, to build a brand around it and to build a business around that, I think is wonderful. So I am, again, so grateful that you were able to take the time to come and talk with us about that today. Uh, Share with the audience how they can find you after today. Sure. So uh, if you're already a podcast listener, which you probably are, if you're listening to this one, (laughs) I do have a podcast, which is called Power Your Platform. And I do have a website, which is slightly different. It's powerherplatform.com. And there's actually a weekly newsletter that we send out with a writing prompt that helps women in particular to really stretch their creative story muscle. So that might be a helpful place uh, for people to go as well. And if you're on Instagram and Facebook, we're at Power Your Platform. We would love to connect with you. And Julie, I just want to thank you for being such a beautiful and vibrant thread in my own tapestry because your family definitely is threaded throughout my story. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm going to turn that back to you. We've been interwoven in each other's lives for a really long time and whether near or far, you know, we both came up in Ottawa, obviously. And you and I left right about the same time. We, we left within a few months of each other. And, you know, we both sort of went off in our separate ways to pursue our own journeys. But you have definitely always been a part of our lives. And we're so pleased and proud to have you as, as part of the thread that weaves into the tapestry of our lives as well. So, again, thank you so much. And I look forward to the next time that you and I get to have a conversation, whether it's on a, on a podcast interview or just, you know via social media but please everyone go and check carrie's podcast out power your platform and check out her website as well and take advantage of these tools that she's affording you she is very wise as i've said and you're going to gain a lot from it so thank you so much carrie thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening i will catch you on the flip side at our next episode of freedomology thank you for listening to this episode of freedomology please reach out to me. Let me know how you're enjoying the show. Do you have any suggestions for us? Any guests that you'd love for us to interview? You can share your feedback, thoughts, and comments with us on our Instagram page at leverage underscore you. That is leverage underscore you. While we appreciate open, honest communication, we please ask that you keep your comments respectful. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Until next time, this is your host, Julie Christensen, saying farewell, be well, and live well. Thanks for listening to Freedomology.